Great to have you guys here. I want to say hello right now to all of our churches who are tuned in with us as well. Thank you guys. Let's hear it for Rodfield, for Stone Oak, for Padre Island, for Rockport, Fulton, and for online. Thank you guys. And appreciate you being here. Also, our prison ministry, thanks for joining us. And so right now, let's just ask, how many of you guys have stuck to the fast over the last week? Raise your hand if you've done the fast. Give these people a hand. That's a big deal. That's right. How many of you guys lasted a few days and then just totally caved? Raise your hand if you did. That was you. Yep. How many of you guys didn't make it an hour? Thank you very much. Appreciate you. You barely made it to the taqueria leaving here. You're like, I fasted between here and there. That's what's my fast. I totally get it. So Jessica's like, how's your fast? I'm like, I'm fine. You get a little grumpy without carbs. You know what I'm saying? I'm telling you right now. It's just, it's just true. So, well, I'm hanging in there. So pray for me. I'm going on a little bit of caffeine uh, and a whole lot of vegetables. And so I'm so excited about this message series we're doing, guys. I'm fired up. God put this on my heart literally in 2021 to deliver this message today for you guys. I believe this is a life-changing message for you. I truly believe it. Today's message is called How to Set and Achieve Your Goals. And so I believe God has put goals and dreams in all of us, and I want to unpack this today. Now, the funny thing is, is when I say that, some of you are like, oh, I thought I was going to get like a spiritual message, but, but he's, he's going to give me like a motivational talk or something. I'm like, no. First of all, when did goals become unspiritual? Did you know that God's goal was to save you? Is that unspiritual? You know, what about the goal years ago when the Lord put on my heart to pray an hour a day for a year? Was that unspiritual? Or, or when I prayed two hours a day for a year and then I invited you guys to join me and our church prayed 100,000 hours collectively over one year. Was that not spiritual? So that was our goal. See what I'm saying? So I think we disconnect goals from the word of God, but the Bible is chock full of people who set and achieved goals. Moses' goal that God gave him was to go set the people free, right? And so on and on, you see all these goals being achieved in the Bible. So I want to unpack that today. Very, very excited about today's message. Brian Tracy is one of my favorite authors. He says this about goal setting. He says, success comes down to goal setting and achieving. All else is commentary. Isn't that good? He's like, basically, no matter what you want to do with your life, have you set a goal, create a plan, have a deadline for it, and then get busy doing it. If you're not doing that, you won't reach it. It's as simple as that. In other words, we, we way overcomplicate it. Years ago, there was a study done. In fact, I wrote this. I actually wrote a book on goal setting called Today is a Day years ago. But in that, I, I tell a story from another book by Mark McCormick called what, what I Didn't Learn in Harvard Business School. There was a study done at, at Harvard back in, like years ago, and they, they studied the graduating class of MBA students. That These are Masters of Business Administration students who were just graduating, and they asked them one question. Do you have written down goals? Do you have goals, and are they written down? They found out that the graduating class that particular year, 3% had goals and had them written down. 16% had goals but had never written them down, and fully 86, 84%, excuse me, of the Harvard graduate students had no goals at all. It's pretty amazing, right? But here's the crazy part. They went and studied. They found those same people 10 years later how, to see how they're doing. The 16% that had goals but had not written them down were on average earning twice the income of the other 84% Harvard graduates' income, annual income. But here's a shocker. The top 3% that had goals and had written them down we're earning more money than the other 97% combined. I think maybe we should be taking some goals, right? That is powerful. Now, maybe it's not about money for you because it isn't about that for me. We have a goal as a church to win a million souls. I believe God gave me that mandate. I believe it's a goal that God has given us, and we're working on a plan to do that. In fact, tonight, I leave for Nepal. 
where I'm going to meet with pastors and, and movement leaders that are doing great work in Nepal, China, and Pakistan. And we're putting a plan together to start 10,000 churches to win a million souls. But it all begins with a goal. See, I, I want to tell you another thing. I'm not here to put a goal inside of you. I believe God's already put it inside of you, but it's lying dormant. So it's my job to help you dust that off and get going. I, listen, I want to tell you something right now. I'm, I'm heading to Paul. My mother's nervous. And my wife is a little nervous. And my mom's really nervous. But, you know, it's just it's a mom's job to worry about their kids, right? But I told her, Mom, I'm going to be safe. I'm going to be fine. But it's not completely safe. I mean, it's a terrible country. But I want to tell you this. I'm not afraid of dying. I'm afraid of not living. So I just want to challenge you that when you've got Christ in your heart, you know where you're going. I don't want to leave and exit this earth without doing all God put inside me to do. And so that's my challenge for you today as well. So I want you to take some notes. I'm going to go really rapid fire through this. And so you guys ready? I'm ready to go. You guys ready? All right, let's roll. Here we go. I want to tell you a very unique story tucked away in the Old Testament, Genesis 24, that maybe you've never heard before, or maybe you do know it, but you pretty much have to study the Bible a lot to know the story. There's a story about Abraham and his servant, where Abraham says to his servant, I need you to go back to my hometown and find my son a wife. That was the goal. And so let's unpack this. And as we walk through the story, we're going to give you seven steps to achieving your goals. You guys ready? I'm going to go really fast. I'm not kidding. All right, you ready? Here we go. Check it out. Abraham was now very old, and the Lord had blessed him in every way. One day, Abraham said to his oldest servant, the man in charge of his household, Swear by the Lord, the God of heaven and earth, that you will not allow my son to marry one of these local Canaanite women. Go instead to my hometown, to my relatives, and find a wife there for my son Isaac. Now, most of you probably know that Abraham's, Isaac, Abraham's son Isaac got married, but did you know how they met? This is actually how they met. So basically, if you're single, I got some good news for you. You're not the only one that feels like you're not in a target-rich environment, okay? And so basically, they're like, hey, we can't find any good girls here for Isaac, and so I don't want to marry a local lady, a Canaanite woman. What he's really saying is the Canaanites didn't believe in their same God. They were like, I want a girl. But it's the same faith that, that we have as a family, right? So go back home to find her, okay? So... I love the scripture because the first thing it tells us, the number one thing you have to do with goal setting is this. Determine your position that you're currently in and then define your purpose. Now, let me say I want to stop on this. The reason why we think goal setting is hollow is because we keep setting hollow goals. But if your goals have substance and they can be powerful. For example, what if your goal is to grow close to your spouse this year? How is that not a bad goal? What if your goal is to have a prayer life that's alive and, and, and electric and you just feel so close to God? What if your goal is to read through the whole Bible this year? That'd be a great goal. You can buy a one-year Bible, do it in 12 minutes a day. What if your goal is to have a generosity goal to say, I want to give like I've never given to God before. So you can have some amazing, substantial goals that have substance to them. But the reason we think goal, che- goal setting is cheap is because we keep doing what? Going on Instagram, well, what are they doing? I want to do that too. Well, what they're doing has nothing to do with you. So I want to challenge you. The reason why goal setting has gotten a bad rap is because we keep thinking it just means, well, they got a new car. I want a new car. They got a beach house. I want a beach house. They, they, they got this or that done in their life, and I want that too. And so we, we keep going for goals that are just cheap and, and, and superficial and kind of Americanized version of the dream. But the truth is, is that goal setting is God-ordained for you to accomplish the God-ordained vision he put on your life. And that matters to God, and it should matter to you. So I want to challenge you to take this serious and understand that God has given you a purpose. I go on Instagram too, but it doesn't really matter what my peers and other churches are doing around the country. What does that have to do with me? What does it do with God's vision for my life? So you've got to determine what it is your purpose is. And so don't get caught in comparison. Comparison. 
Comparison. Comparison. Comparison. Compare is sin. Compare is sin. Isn't it funny how we get caught in that? And the reason why we're not doing great things with our life is because we're too busy peering into someone else's. So figure out what God put on your heart, not this year, but 10 years ago, that you can't shake because it's the purpose of God in your life, no matter what season you're in. And get busy doing that. And then you will have a full life. Guys, I'm so excited to jump on a plane. You would not believe it. I think I'm going to the senior prom. You know why? Because it's my purpose to change millions of lives. And I'm so excited about doing that. When you discover what God's purpose for your life is, you will want to run at your goals. You will dive towards them. You'll be so excited to do big things for the Lord. So determine your position and define your purpose. Number two, check it out. The servant asks, but what if I can't find a young woman who is willing to travel so far from home? Oh, big question, right? He's like, let me get this straight. Abraham, you want me to go back to your hometown and just find some young girl and convince her to leave with an old man she doesn't know to come back and marry some young guy she's never met. This is not an easy goal. Like, this is a pretty, pretty tall order, right? So he just puts it out there. What if I can't find a young woman who's willing to travel so far from home? Should I then take Isaac there to live among your relatives in the land you came from? No, Abraham says. He says, be careful never to take my son there. For the Lord, the God of heaven, who took me from my father's house and my native land, solemnly promised to give this land to my descendants. So he's like, uh-uh, uh-uh, don't do that. I have a promise from God. Do you know why our goals don't really happen? is because we have not attached them directly to a promise of God. But God's word is full of promises. Did you know that God's word is full of over 3,000 promises? 3,000 blank checks waiting for you to sign. And so find a promise from God. I want to tell you right now, I've been running off the promise of God for 25 years. Did you know that this week is our 25th anniversary as a church? That's crazy to me. I'm like, wow. Luckily, I started this church when I was 10. So... It's amazing how fast time goes by, though, right? Would you write this down? Number two, stand on a promise from God and describe the payoff. You got to know, what do I achieve if I do this? So look at the payoff. Do you know even Christ did this? Christ said, I look to the cross for the joy set before me of what? Of seeing you saved. And so the joy was definitely not hanging on a cross. The joy was not being beaten. The joy was not having nails run through his hands. The joy was, I'll go through that for the joy of what? of you finding Christ, of you being saved. In the same way, every mother knows this, like you will go through the labor pain for the joy of the baby. It's not, you're not like, I'm just looking forward to being in pain. I'm looking forward to squeezing my husband's hand off. I'm looking forward to screaming my guts out. No, I'm willing to go through all of that. Why? Because of the payoff. So always look to the payoff whenever you're considering the promises of God too. Acts 13, 36, I want to give you two promises God gave me. And God has all kinds of promises. This may not be for you, but I just want to give you an example. One of the promises God gave me was Acts 13, 36, says David served the purpose of God in his generation and then he died. The promise God gave me when I was in seminary was, I want you to plant a church for your generation that impacts the next generation and then you'll pass away in peace. So I want to tell you again, I don't fear death. I don't want to die anytime soon, but I don't fear it. I fear not living. I want to make sure that when I do pass, my heart is full knowing I have done everything God's called me to impact my generation for Jesus. There's another verse that God gave me too. Acts 2.47, it says basically that the Lord added to their number those being saved daily. So I took that verse literally and said, God, when we plant a church one day, would you help our church grow by at least one person a day? 
And do you know 25 years later, our church has grown by a minimum of 365 new people a year for 25 years straight. Stand on his word. That may not be the promise for you. Maybe you read the Song of Song, Solomon, and the promise for you is God, one day I'll have a passionate marriage. Maybe, maybe you feel like it's not passionate, but one day I want to have that. Maybe for you, you read the scripture that says, I will live and not die because you're dealing with a health issue. And I'm going to stand on the promise, God, that my life is not over. I have a future. You have purpose and plans for me still. I don't know what promises you, but look at God's word and begin to say, where's the promise in the scripture for me? Because it'll pop off the page. God has a promise for you to stand on. And by the way, I want to mention something else. Remember, notice the servant says, what if the girl doesn't come back with me? Right? I love what, what Abraham says, says next in verse 7. He will send his angel ahead of you, and he will see to it that you find a wife there for my son. If she's unwilling to come back with you, then you are free from this oath of mine. But under no circumstances are you take my son there. He says, hey, God's going to go before me. I love the fact that Abraham's an old man, and yet he's got old man swagger. He's like, oh, God's got this. You just need to go. The Lord will work it out. I love the fact that he had so much faith in God still, even as an old man. See, the, the devil likes to throw this in our face. The devil likes to throw a problem at you. This is like, oh, I feel led by God. My goal this year is going to be to lose 50 pounds. And the devil immediately throws up, nah, how are you going to get past that Mexican food? And you're like, no, 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 but I don't know if I could. Or, or, or you say, you know, my goal is to, to finish school. And, and then God throws at you. What about that biology class? You know, you had a hard problem before. And so what do we do? We go straight to the problem, problem, right? Here's what I want to challenge you to do. Do not confuse the dream stage with the problem-solving stage. If you put those together, you'll just let the problem always shut down your dream. Instead, dream big. In fact, for the next 20 minutes, can you just dream big and not worry about the problems? And just say, God, I'm just going to believe that you'll work all that out. And so you just give me the vision, God. I'm going to believe you for it. And then when the problems come up, you'll work it out when the time comes. So I just want to challenge you. Don't get caught in the problem stage. Focus on the dream stage right now and let God renew your vision for what he wants to do in and through you. Stand on the promise of God and describe the payoff. Make sure you know what that payoff is going to look like. And so, by the way, I want to stop on this point too. Next week, do not miss next week's message. It's going to be powerful. Next week's message is called Turning Your Pain Into Power. Because so many people say, Pastor, I can't even think about goal setting because my life is so jacked up. Actually, when your life is a mess is actually the time to goal set. Because do you know when God gives you a vision for more? In the middle of your lack. The people who dream big dreams to have wealth, almost every one of them didn't have more. People that are wealthy didn't have more than you do. They had less than you do. That's why they dream that dream. They're like, I will never be broke again. And that's why many wealthy people started off with nothing or less than nothing. And they're like, I don't want to be that guy. I don't want to be that person, right? Maybe for you, you dream the dream of a great marriage and you're dreaming that dream in the middle of your current divorce. Praise God. You need to get a fresh vision for what God can do so you don't repeat the same things you did last time. So I want to challenge you that when you are lacking something is the time for God to give you a promise for what he will give you. Our God is a God of more. He wants to bless you. He wants to take care of you. And in the middle of your lack, he gives you vision. God was giving me a vision for a church of thousands one day, and I didn't have a church of five people. But that's where I started. And so God will give you a vision when you don't have what it is that you believe God's put in your heart to have. Now look what happens next. So the servant took an oath to follow Abraham's instructions. Then he loaded 10 of Abraham's camels with all kinds of expensive gifts from his master. More on that in a minute. And he traveled to a distant, to distant Aram Naharim. There he went to the town where Abraham's brother Nahor had settled. 
He made the camels kneel beside a well just outside the town. It was evening, and the women were coming out to draw water. The young single women, by the way. Oh, Lord, God of my master Abraham, he prayed. Please give me success today. Okay, hold on. Does that mean we can pray for success? He just said, God, please give me success today. I want to challenge you to quit disconnecting your dreams from God. God gave you that vision, that ambition, and he wants to help you succeed. So it's okay to say, God, help me make the sale today. God, help me to make, you know, first chair, first string. God, help me to get in with this this business person. God, help me to make this connection. It's okay to pray prayers like that. In fact, if you're not praying prayers like that, you're missing out on the power of God. God wants to help you succeed. God, help me to have a great workout today and to actually lose some weight. God, help me to actually feel better about myself. Lord, help me to have a real great connection through this counseling session with my spouse, right? And so God wants you to succeed. Please give me success today and show unfailing love to my master Abraham. See, I'm standing here beside this spring and the young women of the town are coming out to draw water. Then he says, this is my request. I will ask one of them, please give me a drink from your jug. If she says yes, have a drink and I will water your camels too. Let her be the one you have selected as Isaac's wife. This is how I will know that you have shown unfailing love to my master. Now, notice that he has this prayer and he says, God, I'm praying, give me success. And here's what I'm asking you to do. Did you notice this wasn't God's idea? This was the servant's idea. Now, why am I bringing it up? Because we over-spiritualize and forget that God gave us a good mind to make a plan. So pray and plan at the same time. In your prayer time, God, here's what I'm thinking my strategy should be. Years ago, we planted this church for the next generation. What that means is that the church I grew up in was kind of for the generation before me. It just didn't make a lot of sense to, to my friends. And I'd bring them, I'd went into Christ in high school. They'd come to church and think it was boring. I was like, okay, there's a disconnect here between Jesus and the church from the next generation. So that's why I want to plant the church. And so this is why, you know, the walls are black here. It's not because we worship the devil. We don't. It's because we're trying to pull, pull your eyesight to the front, like a movie theater, right? And the seats are not, are not hardwood like most churches. Why? Because you go to movie theaters, this is the kind of seat you sit in. And why do we want to feel like a movie theater? You know why? Because at movie theaters, you lower your emotions and you open your heart to, to what you're watching. In the same way, we want people to lower their emotions and, be, uh, and have an open heart to the things of God. And so we've designed this on purpose, is my point. Now, some people say, Pastor, I don't agree with your strategy. I don't agree with the loud music. and this stuff. First of all, if you don't agree, I don't know why you're here, but it's okay, but let's just talk about that for a second. Because I have pastors that will tell me, I've even had some say things online, you know, like, I don't agree with Church Unlimited and their strategy. What I always say back to those pastors is this. Well, this is our strategy to win lost people. What's your strategy? And many times they say, well, I don't have a strategy. And then I say, then I like mine better. <laughs> I want to challenge you. Maybe it's not that you have the best strategy, but do you have a strategy? And so I'm not saying it's perfect, but so many of us never even strategize to accomplish anything in our lives. So I want to challenge you, create a plan and ask God to bless it. And as you go, you'll tweak it and get better at things. And you'll, certain parts of the plans you'll chunk and you'll change. That's okay. That's just adjustments. But have a plan in place to accomplish it. If you say to me, I'm going to lose weight. I'll be like, great, go to a gym. What should I do at the gym? I don't care. Go to the gym. In fact, work out badly. It's better than not working out. At least you have a strategy. So have a strategy. Number three, pray and design a plan. Our word for the year, by the way, I wanted to give this to you today is multiply. God told me this in 2021. 2021, some of you guys were here then. I was praying and I asked God, I'd spent 100 hours in prayer over a season of time. And in that prayer time, the Lord gave me three words in Numbers chapter 23. 
uh, about starting new campuses and winning a million souls. In that, the Lord really put in my heart that 2021 was going to be about maximize. That was a word for the year. 2022 was going to be about mobilize. And by the way, in 2021 was the fastest growth we've seen in years. Now, true, we had dropped in massive attendance because the church, they closed the doors of all churches, right? But we began to come back, so we wanted to maximize. And then in 2022, we focused on mobilize. And one of the things about mobilizing is getting people moving towards the, the will of God, mobilizing ministry, mobilizing serving, mobilizing bringing people. And the other thing about mobile, if you want to stay mobile, you got to be lean. And so we paid off $10.5 million of our debt, which is incredible. We literally halved our debt in one year. Praise God. Total, total God thing, right? I mean, that's amazing. It was a huge miracle to us. We're like, how'd that happen? It was crazy. 2021 was to maximize. 2022 was to mobilize. And 2023 is to multiply. In 2021, when I called our board, we had a board meeting. I was talking to the board of directors about everything. And I shared this vision with them that God gave me through this prayer time. And I thought, they're going to think I'm crazy. What was so cool in the middle of that, in the middle of that, that board meeting, uh, two of my board members, they said, wait, Bill, back up. What's 2023 going to be? I said, I feel like the Lord gave me the word multiply. And he goes, really? And where'd you find that? And I said, Numbers 23. He said, 2023 came to you from Numbers 23. I said, yeah. In fact, it says it three times in Numbers 23 to, to, to basically build seven altars, to build more campuses. And you know, our, our heart is to build seven more, more campuses. Why? To, to win a million souls, to create the resources. And we're going to do this through missions. In fact, I'm coming back from Nepal with a whole plan, guys. That's why I'm going. Super excited about this. But let me tell you this right now. When I was telling the board, two of the board members started to laugh out loud. And I was like, what are, you, what are you guys laughing at? And they said, well, what you don't know, one of the board members said to the other one, they said, you don't know, but th- these two guys are close friends on the board. They were like, we talk all the time outside of the board, and we always talk about the number 23. I was like, I, I don't know what that means. He goes, Pastor, you don't know this, but the number 23, from a biblical standpoint, means, and you may want to write this down, means abundant blessing. By the way, who had the number 23 in basketball? I think he's pretty blessed. Yeah. So just, I mean, just think about that number for a second. In fact, God began to put on my heart about, you know, raising my, my children up. And at the, at the time, this is 2021, they said, hell is Mason. I said, he's, he's 23. In fact, at the time, they said, don't you have an anniversary coming up as a church? Our 23rd anniversary, 23rd. They said, what day is it falling? I said, January 23rd. God was just showing me sign after sign. So God was giving me this word for 2023 for you two years ago. So I just want to challenge you. I believe this year is a year of abundant blessing for you, for your family, for your marriage, for your children. I believe that. God spoke to me as clear as day about that. It says in Matthew 28, go therefore and make disciples of all nations. Guys, we are literally doing that. We are literally going all around the world this year, planting churches. And you're already talking about a church that's planted 106 churches. And so, but now we're about to multiply it and go into the thousands to see more lives changed than ever before. By the way, you know what? J- just to show you something, let me, let me get the next point because this will really tie it all together. Let me just share this. Check it out. So what happens next? Before he had finished praying, don't you love that? He hadn't even closed out his prayer and God's about to answer it. Wouldn't it be great to have an answer from God like that? Like I haven't even said amen and God is starting to answer it, right? Before he'd finished praying, he saw a young woman named Rebecca coming up, coming out with her water jug on her shoulder. She was the daughter of Bethuel, who was the son of Abraham's na- uh, brother Nahor. Rebecca was very beautiful. Oh, that's a nice bonus. Uh, she was old enough to be married. She was still a virgin. She went down to the spring, filled her jug, and came up again, running over to her. The servant said, please give me a little drink of water from your jug. Yes, my lord, she said. Have a drink. When she had given him a drink, she said, I'll draw water for your camels too until they have had enough to drink. So she quickly emptied 
her, jar, her, her jug into the watering trough and ran back to the well to draw water for all the camels. The servant watched her in silence, wondering whether or not the Lord had given them success. Don't you love that? He's like, uh, is this really you, God? God's like, can I be more obvious? <laughs> First of all, don't you, don't you love that God's Captain Obvious? Aren't you glad that he is? So God will speak to you clear as day. You'll know when people say, I think God's talking to me. No, you'll know when God's talking to you. He can be very, very obvious. Like right now, maybe he's being obvious to you about something, right? And so I just want to encourage you that when God opens a door, it'll be incredibly obvious. You won't have to figure it out. They'll be like, okay, this is clearly God. Years ago, when God gave me a promise to plant a church for the next generation, I had a list of 11 cities that I had gone through. And this is before Google. This is before all that. So I had to go to the library. There's this thing called, I don't know if you heard of this place called a library. I had to go there and pull this thing called census data. They didn't have Google, right? And so I had to pull up like fastest growing cities in America, this, this, and that. And I began to list off these cities we could go plant in. I mean, I had Albuquerque, New Mexico, Houston, Texas, Dallas, San Antonio. I had all the, the Texans one, because I'm from Texas. But then I had a bunch of other places like Phoenix, Arizona, Tucson, Arizona, uh, Las Vegas, Nevada, a bunch of them. But I began to call these cities. And when I called them, I found out they all had really great churches because another promise God gave me was the verse where, where Paul says, I don't want to build on another man's work. And so there were, I felt the Lord was telling me, I want to go to a place that doesn't have a church like I want to do. It doesn't already have one that's, that's designed like we're doing it. And so when I called these other cities and I, went to, and I went to visit some of the cities, they all had great churches thriving, you know, reaching the next generation. You know, it just kind of had our vibe a little bit. And I was like, yeah, they're, they're already doing it here. I, I came pretty close to Albuquerque, New Mexico until I found a bunch of churches there too. Finally flew to Vegas. I thought, you know what? God's put my heart to reach a bunch of sinners. There's plenty there. And so let me go there. So I flew out there. I looked around and I, I, what I found was a, a lot of people that need to be reached, but I also found tons of really great churches out there. So I was like, oh, I was a little surprised. Like they have a ton of great churches. So I came back pretty disappointed thinking, man, Lord, I've marked off every single city on my list. I was talking to a friend of mine that I met in the seminary and we we're talking. He said, hey, man, what's God putting on your heart? And I said, I know I'm supposed to do this, but none of the cities have worked out. He said, you don't have a single one left? I said, I don't. He said, you've gone through all of them, every one of them. He said, you know what, Bill? This last summer I did an internship at a church in Corpus Christi, Texas. So you know where that's at? I was like, I mean, yeah, I think I went there once as a kid or something. Was it like 30,000 people down there? He's like, no, 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 it's way bigger. I was like, oh, I, I, I didn't know that. He goes, well, I just did an internship at a church down there called Yorktown Baptist and the pastor there is a really great guy. His name is Sam Douglas. He says, Sam used to be a college pastor, so he totally gets what you're trying to do, the next, reaching the next generation. I was like, really? He said, yeah, you need to meet him. Okay. So he gave me his number. I called him. We immediately clicked. Sam said, you need to get on a plane. I'm going to pay for a ticket. Come down here and check out the city. Came down here. Sam and I completely connected. What's so cool about this is that I didn't know this. But Sam, their youth group that summer, instead of going to mission trips like they normally do to Mexico every summer, they stayed in town and did Bible studies all across the city of the south side to gather names of families that would want to help plant a new church. He said, we have all these names. We just don't have a church planter. I was like, what? He said, yeah, the only thing we're missing is you. I was like, the only thing I'm missing is a city. So God brought us together. And you know what's really cool? 25 years later, do you know I'm flying out to Nepal today to meet with Sam Douglas, who's now doing mission work all over the world. God brought us together 25 years ago. Which leads me to my next point. Would you write this down? Look for the fingerprints of God. Look for the fingerprints of God. And that's how you'll know when God is leading you. Clearly, the, you know, the servant of Abraham is like, God, bring a girl up that'll feed my camels. And and the girl comes up, hey, you want something? You know, he's like, can I have a drink? Sure, you want me to feed your camels too? Uh, yeah, that'd be great. 
I just prayed that five minutes ago. He's like, this is totally God, right? By the way, let me point this out, singles, real quick. Just, just want to throw a little point in here. Notice that if you're looking for, who, how do you know who the right person is? Do you know how much water 10 camels will drink? 200 gallons. 20 gallons a camel. So this probably took her up to an hour to fill up every single camel. So that tells me the kind of person you should be looking for is someone who is not about themselves, but about serving others. And that's the kind of girl that she was. So he knew this is clearly God. The fingerprints of God are all over this. So once she had finished, she said, I'm going to wait. I asked God for her to feed all my camels. Is she going to do it? So you know, by halfway through, she's probably wiping sweat from her brow. Like, no, I got this. I got this. And she continues to, to, until they're completely full. And then she goes, okay, anything else? He's like, yeah, I do. Hold on one second. Then he pulls open the bag and he says, I got some gifts for you. She's like, what? And look what the scripture says. Then at last, when the camels had finished drinking, he took out a gold ring for her nose. I know that that's not a big deal to us, but that was a pretty big deal back then. Gold ring for her nose and two large gold bracelets for her wrists. What does that mean? This is really important. He understood that this girl has no idea who he is. I mean, this is the craziest story ever. And so he needed to have some evidence that he's legit. Like basically like, before I tell you about my rich master, I brought some of my rich master's loot. And some of this is for you. And so he literally says, I want to give you these gifts, right? So now she's wearing a Mr. T starter kit, right? She's got all this gold all over her. She's like, like, what's going on? This is crazy, right? What does that tell you and me today? When it comes to your goals, please write this down. You have to deposit the price. Now, I want to be real clear here. I didn't say make a down payment. You got to deposit the full price. And I need to let you in on something. Greatness is never on sale. You had to pay the full price. And for us to become the church God's led us to be, I'm telling you, we have had giving campaign and sacrifices and prayer times and tough times and lean seasons, but we just stayed faithful and kept paying the price. And here we are today, 25 years later, five campuses. God is doing something off of a simple goal from a 23-year-old kid. Wow, I was 23. Yeah, that's crazy. When God began to tell me about this dream. I just want to challenge you with this. You have to be willing to deposit the full price. Not half the price, the full price. It's going to cost you. I need to let you in on something too, by the way. While you're whining about the price of your goal, you could have, that half the time, you could have be halfway already there. The time you're wasting whining about how long school goes, you could have been halfway done with your degree. In fact, I know people complaining about a four-year degree taking four years, and they're complaining about it six years later. You could have already had your master's. So while you're busy complaining about the price, you're not busy paying the price. So I believe God brought me here today to tell you to get your butt up and get going, quit complaining and start depositing the price. You got to do it. Yes, you can say but in church. Okay, so Genesis 24, verse 23. 23, there it is. Whose daughter are you, he asked, and please tell me, would your father have any room to put us up for the night? I am the daughter of Bethuel, she replied. My grandparents are Nahor and Milcah. Yes, we have plenty of straw and feed for the camels, and we have room for, the, for guests. The man bowed low and worshiped the Lord. Praise the Lord, the God of my master Abraham. He said, the Lord has shown unfailing love and faithfulness to my master, for he has led me straight to my master's relatives. The young woman ran home to tell her family everything that had happened. Now, she was weighed down with some gold, of course. Now, Rebecca had a brother named Laban. I love this, by the way, how Laban, this is a brother who's being protective of his sister. It's a beautiful thing. God has given us siblings to look out for each other. It says, now, Rebecca had a brother named Laban who ran out to meet the man at the spring. I'm sure she ran up with all this gold, and he's like, whoa, what's up with all the gold? Like, you look like Travis Scott. What's going on here? I don't understand what's 
So she's like, this guy, he gave me all this gold, and he says that his master's Abraham. And he's like, Abraham, you mean like, like Uncle Abraham? Like, yeah, what, what? Okay, so then he runs out to meet him to make sure this is legit. He's just checking things out for his sister, right? Check it out. He had seen the nose reason, he had seen, sorry, the nose ring and bracelets on his sister's wrists and had heard Rebecca tell what the man had said. So he rushed out to the spring where the man was still standing beside the camels. Laban said, come and stay with us, you who are blessed by the Lord. So the man went home with Laban and Laban unloaded the camels, gave him straw for their bedding, fed them and provided water for the man and the camel drivers uh, to wash their feet. So that's a lot, but let me just unpack. Let me tell you why I want to tell you all that. Because this is important. You will not reach your goal unless you learn, number six, to depend on other people. You are not supposed to reach your goal alone. No one does. I would not be where we are today as pastor, and this church would not be where it is today, if years ago my incredibly loving wife hadn't said yes also and said, you know what? I believe this is God. I'm going to do everything I can to help you. I've been doing this as a team from day one with her. I would not be where I am. I would, first of all, I wouldn't be the man I am without her. There's no doubt about that. But this church wouldn't even be here without her. And then early on, it was just the two of us. And we had our one child at the time. Mason was six weeks old when we moved here. And so she's raising a baby and trying to start a baby church at the same time. And we, we used to rent a school because we couldn't afford a building. We could hardly even afford the rent at the school. And so we would have to go in and set up and break down. I could hardly get anyone to help me. And so, but I didn't realize in that lonely time when I could barely convince anyone, I had a handful of people that were recently saved at the church and they were like, you know what, I'll come help out on a Friday night. And, and I remember thinking I needed to hire pastors. I learned through the years, actually, that's a big mistake. Quit trying to hire professionals. God will bring you unprofessional people who are broken who the church grows up. In the same way, if you're trying to start a business, you're like, I can't afford to hire employees. I don't have any money, but I, I just have a couple online orders and I'm just having to, you know, to, to basically package it up like it's a big company out of the back room of my apartment. And I have a friend who, who said he'd come by on Tuesday nights and help me package it up. That's your first staff member. It's just someone who just, in other words, it's when you can't even pay people. It's all, the only reason they're there is because they believe in the dream. The mistake we make is thinking if I just had money that I could hire people, the problem with that is then you get hirelings and they come for the money and they leave for money too. But people who are loyal are there for the vision. So believe it or not, if you're in a lonely state right now and you're like, you know, I have this vision to go back to school and I can't really afford much. I can't afford a babysitter, but my mother-in-law said they'll watch the kids, you know, two nights a week. That's your team. Praise God for a great mother-in-law. Praise God for a cousin. Praise God for a friend who will help you out. God's bringing key people. And let me tell you something I've learned long ago. They need that dream too because it develops who they are because they find purpose in helping you. See, I learned a long time ago, I can't win a million souls, but God gave me the vision. And guess what? Together we can. But I don't even know anyone in Nepal. So I'm going to go meet a man over there this week. I can't wait. And, and then there's another guy coming from Pakistan, another guy coming from China. And these guys have all the relationships they need on the ground to do this. This is called the underground church. This is in places where it's illegal to share the gospel. We're going to go. And, and I have the connections in America and I have connections to you, to this church, but they have connections around the world. And so we need each other. We're going to depend on one another and we can get a lot more done. So just know this, the fact that you don't have everything you need is a God thing. He'll bring you the people you need to fulfill the vision. It's not supposed to be alone. It's supposed to happen with other people. And the last thing I want to leave you with is this. So depend on people. So what finally happened? Now I'm going to summarize the end of the story. So now the, 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 uh, Abraham's servant is now standing before uh, Rebecca's parents. They're like, who are you? And they're like, uh, uh, Abraham is, is, my, is my leader. I'm his servant. I'm his head servant. And they're like, head servant? Oh, yeah, he has a bunch of servants. Really? 
And you've got to keep in mind, they're like, we know Abraham. We remember when he was a young man when him and his wife left to go somewhere that God told him. We didn't know where it was, but we remember he had a promise from God. And they're like, yeah, he, all this, he has all these herds and cattle. And they're like, herds? They're like, I think he left with like two sheep. You're like, yeah, well, now he's got herds. Really? Yeah. In fact, I loaded up my camels because I wanted to show you. I want to bring all this wealth for you. This is a gift from him. So they're like, okay, this is legit. And so it wasn't about the wealth. The resources are not about wealth. We make it about wealth. It's not. It's about the resources to get the job done. And so God had loaded them up so he could say, hey, look, I'm not asking to take your daughter off in some weird way, like I'm just some old man stealing your daughter. No, no, no. There really is a young man back in a hometown named Isaac. It's Abraham's son. They're like, well, we know Abraham, but now he has a son. Like, yeah, and I'm here because the Lord put on my servant, uh, on my master's heart that there was a, a young girl here. And Rebecca must have lit up because what was going on in Rebecca's heart that we don't know? What, what about the conversation she was having with God? Walking back and forth and thinking, am I just going to be drawing water the rest of my life for my parents? And God's like, no. No, but you'll stay faithful in that. From that, I've got great things for you. Now, what's cool, if you fast forward in the story, he shares the whole story. And at that point, the parents say, Rebecca, what do you think? And she's like, I, I, I think this is God. And they're like, she's like, mom, dad, what do you think? They're like, this is crazy, but we think this is God too. That God's opening this door. I mean, think about the insanity of sending your daughter off with a man you don't know off the promise that there's a guy there that it's legit. And of course it was. But I want to show you something. It says in Genesis 24, 33, then the food was served, but Abraham's servant said, I don't want to eat until I've told you why I've come. That's when he shared the story. He shared the fingerprints of God. So like I was praying and I said, God, let this girl come up to me and offer me and I'll ask her for something to drink and then she'll offer to feed all my camels. You know, and she's like, oh, I was just trying to be nice. And you know, but God was using that. So the whole thing's got God's fingerprints all over it. At that point, the parents and the girl and the brother, all of them agree that this is God. Guess what happens next? And they say, hey, we don't want you to leave too quickly because, you know, when you leave, you don't just come back. So they're like, we're probably not going to see her again. So let's throw a 10-day party. This must have been one party, right? I mean, crazy, right? So let's throw a 10-day party. But I love what the servant says next. But he said, don't delay me. The Lord has made my mission successful. Now send me back so I can return to my master. What does that mean for you and me today? Here's what that means. Have a sense of urgency. Quit putting off the dream God gave you. In fact, can I tell you right now, one of these days really means none of these days. What have you been putting off? I just wanted to show you a little example. This is something I wrote about my book today is a day, but you know, this is something I learned years ago. So this is just a little timeline. I, wrote. Just, I just made this up, but here's a timeline. Let's say you want to invest in real estate. So I just thought, you know, year one, buy a rental property. You know, by year, by year three, this is making enough money and has enough equity to, to, to grab hold of the equity there and, and then refinance, pull that out, and then use the money you've saved on top of that by year three to buy a second home. Year five, do it again. Right, so this is a five-year plan to buy three homes. That's great. That, that's a very doable plan for someone that wants to get into real estate. Here's what I've learned to do with my life. I wanted to take that same plan. Remember when you were a kid and you used to make an accordion? Just take it in accordion. What if we said, instead of doing that one year, why don't I do that? Well, instead of doing it in five years, why don't I do it in one? Why don't you accordion your plans? You're like, you know, some of you are thinking annualized thinking. You're like, you know, in the next year I want to do this. How about the next month? Well, I mean, I mean that's correct. I want to buy a house, my first home, but maybe by the end of the year. No, no, no. Why don't you get qualified this month? Get pre-qualified. And, and, and see how much money you need and go, go figure all this stuff. Don't, don't wait. Don't put it off. Maybe you're like, you know, I want to get in good shape and I want to lose 50 pounds over the next you know, year. It'll probably take you about that long. That's a lot. But guess what? It's very doable. People have lost more than that in a year. Why don't you lose two pounds this week? Why don't you start right now? Quit putting off what God put on your heart. We need to have a sense of urgency. 
And I want to show you what urgency looks like in the Bible. Can I do this real quick? John chapter 2 all the way through John 13. I want to show you, this is an eyewitness account of Jesus. And I want you to see how Jesus thinks so you can see how we should think. John chapter 2, this is where Jesus' mom said they're at a wedding. And Jesus' mom says, hey, Jesus, they ran out of wine. Would you take this water jugs and turn it into wine? And what does Jesus say? John chapter 2 verse 4. He says, he says mom, my time has not yet come. He's like, it's not time yet. Like, you're wanting me to do something miraculous, but that's going to show who I am yet. Not time yet to do. And of course, what does his mother do like all mothers do? He said, Jesus, just do it. And of course he does it, right? Because he honors his mother, right? I love that. But look at John 7. Let's just keep going through the story. Then there's another time they're going to a festival. They're like, Jesus, you should go. Now the disciples know who he is. And they're like, you should go and show the other Messiah. And he's like, no. He says this, you go on. I'm going to go. I'm not going to go to the festival because my time has not yet come. Now let's fast forward, John chapter 7, verse 30. Then the leaders tried to arrest him. This is now he's revealed who he is. He's sharing his faith. He's, he's teaching. It says, but no one laid a hand on him because his time had not yet come. Now look at John 8, 20. But he was not arrested because his time had not yet come. Again, we see this. Now let's fast forward to John chapter 12. Now Jesus is about to go to the cross. Jesus replied, now the time has come for the Son of Man to enter into his glory. Move forward to another chapter, John chapter 13. Before the Passover celebration, this is right before Christ goes to the cross. Jesus knew that not the time has come, the what? Hour has come. And then the last one. This is Jesus at the Garden of Gethsemane before he gives his life for all of us. He says this. He looked up to God in prayer. Father, the hour has come. Do you see the intensity of urgency increasing? And I believe God put this on my heart because I'm, I'm here to tell you this today. Your hour has come. Quit putting it off. Now it's time. Quit putting off the dreams. Quit putting off the goals. Now is the time to begin. Would you bow your heads with me? Every head bowed, every eye closed. If God's speaking to you, if you know he's convicting you, saying, don't tell me goals aren't spiritual. Don't tell me that God's hands aren't on this. Don't tell me you don't see the fingerprints of God on this. You're already thinking about it. you already got a book on your shelf about it. You've been going to websites about it. And you show up and the pastor's talking about it. Do not tell me God has not got his fingerprints on this for you today. When you know he does. If he does. And you know what he's telling you to do. Would you obey him and lift your hand high and say, okay, God, I'll start. I'll start. I don't even know how to start. I don't even know what I'm doing. But I'm going to begin dreaming again and believing again. And I'm going to begin going after the things you put on my heart to do. Because I'm not scared of dying, God. But I'm scared of not living. I want to live my life for you. I want to pursue what you put on my soul, on my heart. I want to fulfill the purpose of God in my generation. Their head bowed and your eyes closed. That's you. Lift your hand high. If you've never given your life to Christ, did you know that God's goal is you? You see, he wants you to achieve things, but he, his achievement is you. He wants you to become more like Christ. And the first step in that is to know Christ. So right now, if you've never accepted Jesus as your Lord and your Savior, you can receive him right now by praying this very simple prayer. Pray this prayer with me right now across all of our campuses. Just say, dear Jesus, I realize I need you. I believe you died for my sin. I believe you rose again. Please come in my heart. Be my Lord. Be my Savior. I repent of my sins. I put you in first place. Thank you, Jesus, for saving me. With your head bowed and your eyes closed, if you just gave your life to Christ, would you just hold your hand high right now? If you just prayed that prayer, hold your hand high. Thank you. There are hands going up all across our churches. Thank you, Rodfield. Praise God. Thank you. Thank you, Stone Oak. Thank you. Hold your hand high. Thank you all the way in the back there at Rockport Fulton. Thank you. Praise God. Thank you, Padre Island. Those of you who are online with us right now, put in the text chat. Just text us right now. Say, my hand's raised. Or you can click hand raised 
right now. We praise God the decision you made. Maybe you're sitting in a prison cell right now watching this message and you just gave your life to Christ. You can write us a letter. We'd love to hear from you. We praise God the decision you made to follow Christ. And don't think for a second you can't have goals from God in prison. You can. You can. God has a word for everyone. He has a vision for everyone. He's not through with you. God, thank you for your word today. Thank you for just those who just gave their life to Christ. And thank you for those who are already Christ followers that have been filled with your purpose once again, have been reminded of the things you put on their heart to accomplish. And I pray that we begin to move in that direction, to obey your word today. Just like Abraham as an old man still had dreams that you accomplished through him. Father, thank you, God. You are not through with us either. Thank you for your word today. In your name we pray. And all God's people said, amen. Isn't God good? His word is so true.